2023 could be a pivotal season for the Oklahoma Sooners. Could Jeff Levy even be a part of it? We'll talk about that on tonight's episode of Locked On Sooners Live. Thank you for joining us. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Sooners live on a Monday evening, every Monday night, 9 p.m. Central Time. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is our new sports book here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and they've got you covered over there. Go to locked or sorry, fanduel.com slash locked on. Again, fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, let's talk Jeff, Jeff Levy first because the thing that seemed pretty crazy when it was first mentioned by ESPN's Pete Thamel a week ago or less than a week ago, last Thursday or Friday or so, it's lingering. It's not going away. And it, it kind of is important that it go away at some point because it'll begin to affect their 2024 recruiting. So what do you make of this? Like, you know, no, I, I would say also that sometimes no news is good news. Not hearing anything from Jeff Levy saying, yeah, I'm going. That's, that's an okay thing. The longer this kind of plays out, the longer I believe like, yeah, he's sticking around. Yeah. I'll, I'll kind of, I'm still sort of where we were when we started with this. Because it's Alabama and because it's Nick Saban and everything that goes into it, then, of course, it's on your radar when Thamel or whoever else out there, in this case it was Pete Thamel, if they link Jeff Levy or anybody to Alabama, it's on your radar simply because it's Alabama. But beyond that, to me, John, everything points toward Jeff Levy staying at Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel comes back for another season. Oklahoma? Not not coming off its own great season at six and seven. Jeff Lebby, somebody that has the alma mater ties to Oklahoma. So the idea that he would leave OU to go to Alabama, who isn't a chief rival, John, but in terms of what Oklahoma, who Oklahoma is trying to track down in the college football world, it's a pretty big rival for Oklahoma from that standpoint, right? And oh, by the way, you're about to be joining that conference. So there's a lot of parts of it to me, that would make it unlikely that Jeff Levy would would go to Alabama and leave Oklahoma to do so. To me, I, I don't know that there's another college offensive coordinator position that Jeff Levy would take over Oklahoma. So I still think that I still think that he's going to be back at OU, and I think he's here for the long haul. But you hear Alabama, and I guess just from that standpoint, it at least has your attention. It does, and I'm with you on everything you said because it just doesn't make sense, and it doesn't seem like he'd be the type of guy to leave just after one season, especially given that this one season is in Norman, the place where he played, the place where he got his coaching start, the place where he has so many relationships. So it doesn't really make sense on kind of the big, the grander scale of things. Uh, and I, I mentioned you know, to one of your you know, colleagues over at 94.7 The Ref in Norman today when I was on with Parker he asked me about Levy and I said, and this is the same thing I kind of echoed last week in that. What if it's just about getting that Nick Saban blessing? You know, we're, we're seeing what's happening with Kendall Bryles. We're seeing, we saw the backlash at Grambling state when Art Bryles got, got hired. Um, there was less of that at Oklahoma for Levy because again, a returning son, so to speak, someone that Brent Venables has a relationship with and, and can feel pretty good about, but if you're an athletic director somewhere else across the country, how confident are you that you can go and hire Jeff Levy as your head coach, given the, the past, given the Baylor experience that, that he was a part of? Um, not to say he was completely, you know, 100% responsible for any of that, or, you know, we can't even say at what percentage he was responsible, but he was there at the program when this all went down. 
but going to be with Nick Saban for a season or two or three, could it put a lot of athletic directors at ease saying, okay, we're, we're hiring a guy that got the Nick Saban blessing. We can feel much better about that. And at the same time, and I did say this as well, when I was talking with Parker, that Brent Venables is a very well-respected head you know, name in college football as well, from an integrity standpoint, the character standpoint, he's got that going for him. So if, if he provides that kind of blessing on, on Jeff Levy, then probably there's no need to have to go to a place like Alabama to do like Steve Sarkeesian did to kind of restore your reputation a little bit. Um, it makes sense that Nick Saban would be interested. Jeff Levy had a really good year. Was it a great year? No. Was it not as good as we'd hoped it would be? No, but it was really good. I mean, this is a team that scored 35 points per game. They you know, lost a bunch of games scoring 35 points, um, which is not on that offense. Could they be better in situations? Absolutely. They weren't good on third down. They weren't good in the red zone. They weren't good on fourth down. There were clutch situations that they just didn't come through in. Some of that's on your offensive coordinator. Some of that's on the, the guys on the field that are trying to execute those plays as well. But all in all, big picture view, Jeff Levy, I thought, had a really, really good year, uh, especially given the fact that there's a lot of different moving parts, a lot of things that they're trying to kind of get going in Norman and your best wide receiver, like Marvin Mims, I absolutely love Marvin Mims, but he's, he's not that zero to 15 yard down the field guy. He's, he's a burner. He's a get down the field, win deep guy. And so it was a little bit harder, I think for the offense to run smoothly because your number one wide receiver isn't a guy you're throwing a bunch of wide receiver screens to. So I think that kind of plays into that a little bit too. So um, yeah, I I think it's going to be interesting to see how this all ends up playing out after the Lincoln Riley kind of departure after Brian Kelly, leaving from Notre Dame to LSU, Mario Cristobal going Oregon to Miami. None of it is off the table for anybody in college football ever, in my opinion, anymore, because at any point, anybody could leave for any job and it, just happens. It's just the way college football works. Well, and I don't even know if necessarily some of that had entered Jeff Levy's mind, but you know, if you play that conspiracy theorist, if you want to call it playing a conspiracy theorist or just trying to come up with the hypothetical for why Jeff Levy would be interested in Alabama or how Nick Saban could sell this thing to him to leave a place that Jeff Levy's obviously incredibly passionate about with, uh, with his history here, with it being his alma mater, with the fact that it again, did not go well this last season. And every fiber in my being tells me Jeff Levy doesn't want to leave Oklahoma as the offensive coordinator to go be the offensive coordinator somewhere else in college football after again, really the team, you know, yes, offensively, there were good moments. There were also some really, really bad moments offensively for Oklahoma and just generally speaking it was six and seven for OU so that part would seem curious to exit stage left but if I'm Nick Saban and I'm Darth Vadering this situation here then yes maybe I could plant in your mind a little bit or maybe Emperor Palpatining would be the the proper metaphor here I'm planting in your mind well if you want to be a head coach probably it'd be a good thing to branch out from somewhere that you kind of have those familiar ties like a place like OU. So that's an interesting angle. I hadn't really necessarily thought about that a ton until you brought it up. I still think ultimately loyalty and desire to succeed at OU is going to win out with Jeff Levy here, though. I would start connecting a few of the tea leaves. And when you do have a Michael Hawkins, and we talked about this with uh, John Garcia, we'll air some of that later this week for you on Locked On Sooners. And I think he shared some of these sentiments even last week, John, that uh, John Garcia, by the way, our recruiting expert across the Locked On Network, he uh, he shared the, the thought that if Michael Hawkins pushed that recruiting commitment date back, that was an indication on a couple of things, right? Number one, maybe he's just not totally sold on Oklahoma just yet, and it's trending away from OU. But number two, it could mean that Kendall Bryles relocation from Arkansas to TCU is a big factor there. Or it could mean number three, John, that uh, maybe Michael Hawkins knows something that we don't know yet, or that he's just skeptical about the whole situation too with Jeff Levy, right? I think you do have to take that. If in fact the scheduled commitment date announcement date of January 31st for Michael Hawkins does not happen, 
then yes, that, that would uh, raise some antennas. If only just for his recruitment, fine, but also uh, perhaps for Jeff Levy as well. Yeah, there's several different things that are at play as far as Oklahoma's concerned. You got the recruitment aspect of that, just with Michael Hawkins. TCU becomes a factor now with Kendall Browse down there in Fort Worth and the Jeff Levy kind of twist on this thing as well as something to watch on that front. Uh, again, welcome to everybody that's part of the live show tonight. We're super thrilled you're here. If you got a question, we're going to come back after the break and uh, we'll answer a few of these questions. A couple that were Jeff Levy specific. So we'll touch on some of those real quick. Uh, we'll have a couple other questions that we'll touch on as we go. We're also going to talk about, Hey, ESPN dropped their final ESPN 300 of the year. We'll talk about some of that where Oklahoma landed and how it relates to some of the big dogs in college football and one, you know, that wants to be a big dog. That's not quite yet. Uh, we'll talk about that after I talk to y'all about FanDuel again, FanDuel, the uh, new sports book sponsor for the locked on podcast network. We're really excited about this partner because they're the number one sports book in America FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with one a sorry with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place just your first $5 bet. Sign up at fanduel.com/lockedon. That's it. $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your $5 first bet. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. All on the app. It's all safe. It's secure. It's super easy to use. So if you're a football fan, you want to get in on the action with championship weekend coming up the Super Bowl in just a few weeks. Don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets. Win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So, Josh, the question that kind of came up in the chat, our buddy Oki Long guy, again, welcome to everybody that's part of the, the group chat over there. We're glad you're here. If you got a question, feel free to throw it out there. Um, he asked, do we think that Levy might be using all of this smoke uh, to potentially get a raise with Oklahoma? Absolutely. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No doubt that he is. And if not that, then, you know, my initial reaction to all of this Levy stuff, John, was this. Hey, I'll entertain it until it's totally squashed that he's not going to Alabama. But honestly, to me, I know that Nick Saban would be very, very familiar with Levy, obviously, right? Because he was in the SEC West and he did great things with Ole Miss and obviously, you know, before that, uh, some great things at UCF, but Saban saw it firsthand at Ole Miss, right? And then uh, Josh Heupel, who's similar, that's what Pete Thamel was talking about in uh, his report. They, they both haunted Nick Saban. So that part, hey, I get it. It makes sense. But honestly, Levy's stock is not super high coming off the 2022 season. Not that Oklahoma was some outright disaster. There were plenty of positive moments offensively, but the Texas game, I'm sorry. I get that Dylan Gabriel was was unavailable, and we all understand the circumstances surrounding that, but not having your backup quarterback ready is a horrible indictment on Disaster. Jeff Levy's ability as, as an offensive coordinator. The uh, And there's other things that would point toward his stock not necessarily being sky high coming out of 2022. So all of that to tell you that, I mean, does it, does it part of it just read like, hey, get something out there in the media. Let my agent get to work and get something positive out there about me. Let's change this message. Let's get this to where I'm a little bit more desirable again. Yes. I do think there's some of that at play perhaps. Yes. That whole thing that, uh, you know, for some reason, I remember this back when I was in high school or college, the girls didn't really come around until I started dating somebody. And then you started like seeing more people interested and you're like, wait a minute now, wait a minute. Um, but you're happy. You're content, but it's, it's just that one of the things, you know, like when you're locked in, in a relationship, in a contract, like Jeff Levy is, maybe he's more desirable to, to Nick Saban. Now, uh, after, you know, like, again, he took a, an offense that, I mean, Dylan Gabriel was making his first play in power five football and there were ups and downs, but for the most part, it was a really good offense last year. So, it's really, it'll be really interesting to see. I think Nate had a good, really good point on this. I don't know if he'd be as hated as Lincoln Riley um, simply because he's only been here a year. You know what I mean? Like 
yeah, he, he's got connections and he's got relationships, but just being here a year, not that, that to me, that's not as big of an investment as your former head coach and the, and the way Lincoln Riley left, you know, like in the shadow of the bedlam defeat, he's already decided he's going to USC. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, that whole situation is a whole, we maybe we can talk about that another day, but man, just the way that all went down, I don't think Levy leaving for Alabama, it would be, it'd be unfortunate and it'd be bad, but I don't think like a lot of Sooners fans would see it the same way that they, that we saw Lincoln Riley leaving for USC. No, it wouldn't be that, but I've got two words for you. Actually, I've got four words for you. Caleb Williams, Jackson Arnold. So that would be the common thread between the two is if Lebby leaving cost you another five-star quarterback. And if and when that happens, oh, Oklahoma fans are not going to be happy. Whether you're Oklahoma blood or not, turning your back on the university after, again, not, not having a great year at Oklahoma, and then, oh, by the way, you gut the program and bring said quarterback with you, he, he would be strongly, strongly disliked, I think, by Oklahoma fans. Yes. Okay. That is the scenario that I did not consider is if he took Jackson Arnold with him. Uh, what, but what if it's, hey, he goes to Alabama and Michael Hawkins falls into Alabama? Do we feel the same way? Or is it like, okay, we got Jackson Arnold. We'll, we're feeling pretty good about it. It's still kind of taking what most people consider to be a future Oklahoma commit out from underneath Oklahoma, um, if that were to transpire. We don't know. That's all speculation, hypotheticals, things like that. But um, <laughs> Jimmy says, yeah, if he leaves Oklahoma, he will never be welcomed again. I mean, hey, sure, you, you don't get to go to uh, to Del Rancho. No more chicken fried steak sandwiches for you, Jeff Levy, if you leave to go to Alabama. So um, any more thoughts on that? Because I, I feel like we've kind of covered it. Until they say something new, it's just going to be kind of this thing that just – lingers out there in the air like a bad fart yeah well just the the final piece of the puzzle here the the jackson arnold thing as long as jackson arnold's in tow honestly oklahoma fans john i think have so hitched their fortunes going forward to the idea that jackson arnold is going to be and and i'm going to say this with a grain of salt here so bear with me a little bit people but they've hitch their fortunes to this idea that Arnold's going to be the next Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray type quarterback at the university of Oklahoma. He's going to be what Caleb Williams would have been. If he had stayed, he's going to be the next Heisman trophy candidate type quarterback at OU. So, Hey, Jeff Levy dance off into the night. And as long as Jackson Arnold's still in Norman, Oklahoma, Hey, we'll find another offensive coordinator. But if Jackson Arnold's not a part of the equation too, okay, well then that's where I think you see the freak out happen. But I don't know that, you know, either Lebby or Brent Venables, John, to me need to quote unquote, come out and squash it, you know, for, for you and I and the fans, you know, I mean, isn't it almost awkward to a degree to add credence to the Pete Thamel report? If there's nothing to it, then you don't respond at all. And it's just business as usual. And as long as the recruits you're targeting and the guys on campus are 100% convinced that I'm not going anywhere, Jeff Levy's not going anywhere, then ultimately I don't think that it matters that you need to come out and squash it. Agree, disagree? No, I'm with you. I think you can't, you can't acknowledge every report or every rumor that's out there because then it, it shows that you're paying attention to it all. But Pete Thamel of ESPN, like that's a, that's a big time kind of mention there on a big time radio show on the Paul Feinbaum show. Like that's not small. That's not, you know, just some, some guy on Twitter, you know, saying Jeff Levy's going to Alabama. Like that's as pretty much as big as it gets. I mean, Pete Thamel is a trusted source in the industry who I'm not going to sit here and doubt the fact that, or doubt the idea that Alabama's interested in Jeff Levy. Does that mean that there's mutual interest? Not necessarily. Jeff Levy may not be interested in Alabama. So if he's not, and he's telling parents, he's telling kids, he's telling recruits, he's telling his players, I'm not going anywhere, then by all means, that's that's good enough. I feel like if, if there was something to it, or if he hadn't said anything to his team yet, 
we'd probably start kind of catching some whispers of that on social media. Players aren't super good about keeping stuff quiet when it's something that big, in my opinion. And so I think, I don't think that they necessarily have to address it. If it's legit, we'll find out soon. If it's not, Jeff Lovey will be, you know, coaching the team during spring ball and spring game and all that. But I'm with you. Oklahoma is going to find a good offensive coordinator. It's a step up job for just about anybody in the country uh, outside of maybe four or five programs where it'd be more like a lateral move. It's a step up job. So there'll be a lot of people very interested in coordinating the offense for Dylan Gabriel, for Jackson Arnold, for, you know, this group of running backs, this offensive line, they'll be all right at offensive coordinator question that we want to address. Zoom doof. Asked the question, I've been hearing that Oklahoma and Texas could move to the SEC in 2023. Do you guys know anything about that? Initially, that was kind of my idea, is that they would move as soon as they possibly could. But from what I've read most recently, 2024 is still kind of the, I don't even want to say expected departure, but if there's going to be an early departure, it'd be in 2024 if they're able to just get all the I's dotted and the T's crossed, come to a buyout negotiation or a buyout agreement that lessens the hit to Oklahoma and Texas on their exit fee. Yeah. I'm not really hearing the Oklahoma and Texas shocker right now, though. Honestly, until we get a big 12 schedule until that's totally finalized, it's at least a possibility that all of us have to have somewhere in the back of our mind. I think that the Big 12 schedule is not too far away, and I, I do believe Oklahoma and Texas are around for one more go next season, and then whether or not we get some sort of formal announcement this spring, this summer, John, or I don't know, any time next year, or just an exit fee, big big bag of cash that you grab from the end of the rainbow and chuck uh, at Brett Yormark and say, hey, peace out after the season. <laughs> this is this is our goodbye fee. Here you go. Whether you know whether or not we get that official announcement at any point between now and the start of next season or during next season, I, I do believe next year is the final year. But man, I I would love. I, I listen. I would love if Oklahoma and Texas were in the SEC as soon as next season. I say just rip the freaking Band-Aid off. I've been in that camp for a long time. Uh, I was in that camp four years ago, John. I was in that camp after they got spanked in the Peach Bowl by LSU. You, you don't you don't get to where you're beating those programs or competing with those programs until, guess what, you're side-by-side side with those programs on a week-in, week-out basis. So, to me, I'd love it if it happens. I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, to me it'd be, it'd be a win for Oklahoma fans if it happened. Yeah, I've always been kind of the idea that you're still competing against the SEC, whether you're in the SEC or you're not in the SEC. Who are you chasing for national titles? The SEC. Whether it's Alabama or Georgia or LSU, that's the mountain you're trying to climb. So you might as well just get in with them and be right there with them because, you, hey, you knock Alabama out of the playoff, then you don't got to deal with Alabama in the playoff. Or you knock LSU or Georgia out of the playoff, then you don't got to deal with them. But like you said, you're – Playing them week in, week out, that's the way to go. And I I think it's going to be 2024. As much as I would like it to be 2023, I don't think the details are going to be able to be ironed out in order for that to be the case. Um, I'm I'm perfectly content with one more year in the Big 12. I've also said I would have wished – I would have loved for them to expand the Big 12 years ago and have a group like this come in, you know, BYU, that's a fun program with a really fun, you know, fan base that I think is going to – make for a really good big 12 program at some point. Um, you know, UCF is on the rise. Houston's in a big market. Cincinnati's in a big market. I think it would have done really well if they would have considered adding those four teams four or five years ago and, and continue to build the brand of the big 12, but it's just not, it's not happening, but coming 2024, it's going to be a lot of fun. Oklahoma getting to play what would be like dream non-conference matchups basically every single week. And I was talking with uh, my, my wife's uncle just yesterday at a birthday party who's a big Oklahoma fan, season ticket holder and all that. And we're, we're talking about, you know, the first time Alabama comes to Norman, like how legit that's going to be. And, you know, he talked about Crimson Tide fans being some of the nicest fans that they've experienced in the SEC, um, you know, going to Tuscaloosa or having them in Norman. So, yeah, just games like that where it's a, a nationally noticed matchup 
almost every single week is going to be incredible. You know, whether it's Bama or LSU or Florida or Georgia or South Carolina. I mean, the South Carolina connection with Shane Beamer, Tennessee and Josh Heupel, Kentucky and Mark Stoops. Like there's just so many great storylines to unfold and unpack when Oklahoma does get to the SEC that it's going to be so, so much fun, man. It's going to be so great. Um, I can't wait for the schedule to come out for the Big 12. You think they have to give them so much time before they leave. So the idea, John, on the exit for Oklahoma and Texas, or anybody, right, that's buying out of the grant of rides or leaving, is you have to give 18 months notice, that formal notice that you're leaving the Big 12 conference or you're leaving the Pac-12 conference or you're leaving the AC, right? Insert whichever conference you want and there's some sort of stipulation or contractual agreement that you give a formal set of notice that you're leaving. And in the big 12, it's 18 months, right? Well, to my understanding, the grant of rights is up in the, in this, this grant of rights that we're in right now would be up in July. It's, a, it's after the 2024 season. It's 2024, July of 25. Yeah. So, so follow me on this to my understanding. Then, We've crossed the 18-month threshold. So mm-hmm. the whole – they have to give so much time before they leave. I don't know that it really matters anymore, John. It's from the land of, yes, there's contracts, and yes, they have to give 18 months notice, but they're in the middle of negotiations on a number of different levels, I'm sure right now, on whether or not they're going to be here for 2024, if they can get the buyout you know, whittled down. There's been reports out there that Oklahoma and Texas are basically going to – manufacture non-conference games against big 12 teams in their future schedules to essentially appease the, you know, Fox, Fox TVs of the world and the ESPNs of the world to give them inventory back from a television standpoint that would serve as part of their exit fee. So there's so much negotiating going on right now, Jimmy, that yes, that is technically a part of the contract, but I don't think that applies here anymore. No, the, and the big 12 is not going to care about that if they get made whole or if the, the networks get made whole financially, it's like your apartment complex. Like it, it doesn't, they don't care if you leave your, your rent early or leave your lease early. They just want you to pay what you're supposed to pay to leave early. That's all they care about. They don't need a formal, you know, letter of resignation or letter of, you know, I guess they do need a formal notice, but the like, Hey, here's my money. That's kind of the formal notice there. Um, so it'll be, that'll be fascinating to watch. And, and I think it's, part of the reason why we're having such a a delay in the big 12 schedule release in that there's only going to be so many OU games and so many Texas games to go around for the 2023 schedule. So I think that's why there's, they're having to delay because there's, I'm sure there's a lot of behind the scenes negotiations happening amongst the remaining, you know, new big 12 schools and probably a lot of the remaining eight, the guy that, you know, the schools that are part of the conference now, uh, getting left behind by Oklahoma and Texas. They probably want their piece. They want their piece of Oklahoma and Texas before they go. And they don't want to allow BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF to get a chance at that. So turning the page, uh, two, four, seven sports saying that 2023 is a pivotal season for the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, this is Brandon Crawford over, sorry, Brad Crawford over at 2247 sports, basically saying just coming off of a six and seven season in which the defense wasn't good this year is is going to be huge for them and for several other programs they listed ohio state um and texas a&m miami among those as well um florida florida thank you what do you make of that josh because i obviously yes you want it to be a better season than what you had but i'm not sure if it's going to be one of those seasons that's going to put brent venables on the hot seat if they're not contending for the big 12 title, or if, you know, they only get to seven or eight wins this year. You know what I mean? I think, I think Joe C is going to be patient and maybe there'll be some rumblings of a hot seat, but I don't think that's going to be the case if things don't drastically improve in 2023, if there's improvement, they'll be fine. Even if it's only a seven and six season, eight and five season. If it's similar to the season, 
then he's absolutely going to be squarely hot, in my opinion, going forward. You got me there? Uh, now I think we might, yeah. Am I bouncing around a little bit? A little bit, but I think you're back. Okay, well, I'll, I'll run with it, and if there's any problem, just jump in and, and cut me off here. Yep. So I think I think if it's similar to this season, then absolutely Brent Venables is on the hot seat going into 2024. If it's a couple of wins better, or obviously if it's vastly improved, then you know all's forgiven. But I'm with you in the sense that it would have to be nightmarishly bad, John, for Brent Venables to be fired, say, after this next year, in my opinion, because of the re- recruiting momentum that you've had, uh, because of just his track record as a defensive coordinator and a lot of the other guys' track records on this staff, respectively, it would have to be – there would have to be, again, so many games that we come away from next season where we say, you know what, the head coach and his mismanagement lost that game. Now, is it a pivotal season? Man, every season's a, a pivotal season. Honestly, you could put Oklahoma on this list most every year. I get the candidates uh, or the teams that are on this list. Miami, uh, we know Oklahoma, A&M, Florida, Ohio State. Ohio State's the interesting one because, look, they, they went to the college football playoff. There's a lot of things going right for Ohio State. It's just all of a sudden they've run into this Michigan problem. And, you know, even with that being said, Ohio State's a kick away from probably – I mean, they're one made kick away from going to the national championship. And after how the national championship played out, does anybody think that TCU was beating that Ohio State team in the national championship game? I certainly don't. So I don't know. Ohio State's sort of the the odd duckling here of these these teams for me. Oklahoma, it's huge in just the don't let one one off the radar bad season turn into a couple of seasons like that. So from that standpoint, not dropping into the program to where you start turning into a little bit of a laughing stock, and especially with that being the case, going to the SEC. I understand why it would be a pivotal season. I guess <laughs> this is a very long-winded way to say 2024 for me is the season to where if I don't see Oklahoma win nine games, win ten games, you know, even if that's in the SEC, which I think it will be, then that to me is officially going to be alarming. I'm not going to feel that way about 2023. I'm going to preach and practice a little patience next season as best I can. But by 2024, patience is gone. Yeah, I've been of the mind that 2024 was going to be the season that we really started to see Brent Venable's defense start to take hold. But with what they've done in the transfer portal, the adding the additions of Deshaun McCullough, Ronald Bothroyd, Reggie Pearson, uh, you know, Davin Sears to a lesser extent, from what they've done, I'm like, why not now? Like, why not be really good now? And, you know, some of these 2023 signees could be impact players for this defense. P.J. Adabari, like that's a guy just given his size and athletic ability. He's somebody that could have an R. Mason Thomas type impact where you just run him out there, get, let him get his feet wet, pass rush situations. Don't put too much on his plate. Just say, hey, go get the quarterback. You do that and give him 10 snaps a game or something like that. He could be an impact player for you. But. So, yeah, I've kind of been of the mind that I had not high expectations and not necessarily low expectations for 2024, but just kind of like, okay, I'm not expecting this thing to turn completely around until 2024. But with what they've done in the transfer portal, I'm kind of of the mind like they need to be eight and five or better this season. And the defense needs and really it's the defense needs to show improvement. The offense could take a step back, given that Marvin Mims is gone given that you are having some turnover on the offensive line, it could be a bit of a transition year there. I don't think that they will. I think the offense will still be really good, but I think the defense will improve how much it improves. That's going to be the question because it's still a matter of, you've got a lot of young guys that are going to be stepping into positions where they're going to be playing a lot. Jaron Canick, hopefully a guy like Gentry Williams or Jaden Rowe are going to be manning one of those cornerback spots on the outside. You, know, you might see some Peyton Bowen early as part of the safety rotation. Um, the, the defensive line, you're, you're going to need guys like Grayson Halton to step into a significant role. Uh, Jaron Canick, you know, we got tastes of him during the season. Next year, he's going to have to be a big, big-time contributor. Same with guys like Kobe McKenzie, Kip Lewis that didn't play much. You need to have them become integral parts of this defense. But I, I'm still a big part 
believing like the talent that they added in McCullough in Bothroyd. I think those guys are game changing talents. They're instant impact players and a guy like Reggie Pearson, just the edge that he plays with and his, his kind of ferocity and intensity in which he tackles with. I think that will bring a different dynamic to the defense that they didn't have this year. Good players. Sure. But guys, it's just kind of like they, you had to kind of be afraid of um, because they're going to bring the lumber every time that they hit you. I don't think Oklahoma really had any of those guys, not the enforcer types, but I think Reggie Pearson brings that dynamic and potentially could kind of inspire that edge, inspire that ferocity in a guy like Danny Stutzman, in a guy like Billy Bowman, in a guy like um, Jaron Canick. Like, you know, a lot of guys play really fast. They play really hard. But do they have that next level ferocity that you have to play with in order to be a really good defense? Yeah, I'm just so curious. BMG Baby's comment right here. A lot of new people, a lot of new people to integrate into the system again in 2023. Yes. Now that's college football and the great programs, John, are going to be able to do this year in and year out and year in and year out. Now, the hope, of course, and this is no brainer, obviously, you get the foundation laid and it's easier to do this every season, right? But that part's a little scary going into 2023. And let's hope that Brent Vittables and his staff has just hit collective home runs across the transfer portal. We were hopeful that was the case a year ago, and ultimately, largely, it was not the case for Oklahoma. So hopefully, this time around, Oklahoma's done better. I do think the most important thing for OU this season, you know, I, I, I look at, and I like this comment from Nate, don't worry, boys. 10-plus wins coming this season. Boomer. I think it's doable. You know I've been saying that I think it's doable because of the Big 12 that Oklahoma's playing in and the personnel and everything that everybody else loses. The landscape, it's there. It's ripe for the picking. Oklahoma can go from 6-7 and seven to Big 12 champion next season. It is doable based on what they have on campus, based on what they've added out of the transfer portal. Now, that being said, you know, trying to make all of this work in one off season's time. Again, it didn't work last year. So the most important thing, even if it doesn't get to that point, that 10 win type threshold or big 12 championship type threshold, John, we have got to see next season, 2022 and 2023 signees combined, not just the Deshaun McCullers of the world, not the trace Fords, not the Rondell Bothroyds. That'll be great. It's a nice immediate infusion of talent, but it's got to be the 2022 and the 2023 signees where we come away next season, even if OU loses some games and we say, okay, Sooners have found several playmakers here, though. There has to be that type of hope going into 24. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm drinking it a little early, but I'm, I'm kind of feeling it. I'm feeling like the defense is going to get better. Uh, we're going to start seeing those impact players this season. But yeah, 2024 is, is kind of where you have to hit your stride, right? That's kind of when you need to start hitting that upward trajectory, that upward momentum as you go into a higher level of competition in the SEC. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fascinating to watch. I'm really excited to see that initial kind of too deep from the spring because it how the 2023 or 2022 guys kind of stack up in addition to all the transfer infusion that's going to be a really thing, interesting thing to follow there. Uh, speaking of the recruiting aspect of this, ESPN came out with their final uh, top 300, the ESPN 300 for the 2023 recruiting class. On3 did it last week or the week before, and there were nine Sooners in the top 300. For the ESPN 300, there were 13 Oklahoma Sooners listed. Jackson Arnold came in as the highest rated Sooner at number three overall. Uh, you ultimately had, uh, what was it? Man, I'm blanking on the top of my head. Um, you had 13 total. Alabama had 23 of the top 300. Georgia, and I only reference this for comparison's sake, had 21 of the top 300. Another team that's a little bit relevant to the Oklahoma Sooners, somebody that uh, you know said they couldn't recruit in Norman, uh, only has five players of the ESPN top 300. Now, they've got ESPN's number one overall player and uh, Malachi Nelson, but still not very many recruits 
highly thought of for the ESPN 300. Uh, your Oklahoma Sooners that were in the top 300, obviously Jackson Arnold at number three. Overall, the number three overall quarterback, Peyton Bowen, number 17 overall, the number two safety. Uh, Adepoja Adabare, the number 20 overall player, number two defensive end. Jaquay's Petaway at number 45, the number seven wide receiver. Jacoby Johnson, he was the number 48 overall player, number seven cornerback, the number two athlete. Caden Green was number 55, number two guard. Makari Vickers at number 82. So what, that's like eight players in the top 100 for Oklahoma in the ESPN 300. You got Samuel Masigo, Lewis Carter, Derek LeBlanc, Dalen Smothers, Keon Brown, and Josiah Wagner. So you had four defensive backs listed in the ESPN 300, three of which were top 100 players, according to ESPN 300, which to me is the biggest thing that Oklahoma has to fix amongst many things that need to be fixed on the defense. The biggest one is this overhaul of the defensive back room. They've got to get it right between Robert Spears Jennings and Gentry Williams and Jaden Rowe and these, this group of players that they're bringing in in 2023, that is going to be the foundational piece of the defensive back field, the safeties, the cornerbacks, when they go into the SEC. They can't miss. you got to hit on at least 75% of these guys. They've got to be big-time contributors for you as you get ready to go to the SEC. Yeah, and, you know, it's cliche or it's, you know, you got to pick one, right? But honestly, they just – got to massively upgrade the entirety of the mm-hmm. defense uh i you know defense needs to hit the other team's offense so hard the player's mother feels it their family feels it right you gotta hit them so hard somebody else feels it that's the start of a yo the, mama joke it, it basically right that's where this defense needs to get to though at all levels it's just not been that type of defense in norman for a long time so yeah you can point out defensive backfield i would probably lean defensive line just because Again, I'm a strong believer in football just in general. Everything starts up front and works its way back into the offensive backfield, out to your skill position, guys. Uh, Defensively, I mean, we're talking about safeties and corners and nickelbacks and cheetahs. And guess what? They're all going to look a lot better if P.J. Atabare is a stud, right? They're all going to look a lot better if Derek LeBlanc is a freak. So to me, that's what I'm looking at with uh, some of these signees that Oklahoma's brought in. And you know what? Believe it or not, the the great guys that Oklahoma has had up front of late, John, both Jalen Redmond and oh gosh, why why am I blanking now? Perkins, they, those were those were quick impact guys in their careers, right? So it can be done at that position up front, whether it's an edge guy, interior guy. We've seen that at OU in recent memory. So I'm hoping that these guys, all these ESPN, you know, top 300 guys and the on three ranking and the 24-7 sports, their latest ranking, which, oh, by the way, isn't it a beautiful thing that the recruiting services have like 45 different updated rankings throughout the various cycles for us to talk about? But, hey, yeah. it's great. Everywhere you look, these Oklahoma Sooner signees are in that top 300, right? They're top 100 guys. It's littered with talent according to the recruit evaluators out there now let's see it let's let's see it let's see it quick yeah and and with respect to the guys that do all that work really what matters most is the the coaches evaluations and if they if they are right on these guys it's going to be a very big group of you know very impactful group of players that come to norman you know at like like i just mentioned a bit ago he could have an impact year one you know, Jackson Arnold could have an impact depending on Dylan Gabriel's health. Like Dylan Gabriel's missed time each of the last two seasons. It's not unrealistic to think like, okay, could another injury happen to him? You know, again, two kind of fluke things, a, a collarbone and, and then the concussion. But if he misses time again, it better be Jackson Arnold on the field. because I think that's your best chance to win a game. Uh, Dalen Smothers, somebody asked about why did he drop from number nine running back to number 19? Who knows? It's all a lot of it's subjective, but what you just need to trust is DeMarco Murray's evaluation of the guy. He brings lightning speed to the backfield game breaker. He can hit a home run every time he touches the ball and he's going to be an impactful player on kick returns too. So I'm not worried so much about the, the fluctuation so much because what we've seen DeMarco Murray be able to do is evaluate talent. 
we we like what they brought in 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 Javante Barnes and Eric Gray. You know the the transfer addition before Gavin Sawchuk. You know Marcus Major. He's been up and down. Um, they've had some really good runners over the last few years. I'm I'm excited about Dalen Smothers. But there's just a whole host of guys that could have an impact on this team. I think a guy like Jacoby Johnson or McCarty Vickers could be impactful day one players for the Oklahoma just due to their size. Because we see a lot of really good tight end play in the Big 12. You want somebody that could potentially erase a tight end? Get somebody out there that's 6'3 and can cover and has the athleticism to run with anybody in, at the tight end position. Now, you're not going to have to deal with Quentin Johnston anymore because he's going off to the NFL. But that type of body type has really given Oklahoma fits the last few years because they don't have anybody that has remotely near the size that he does that they can match up with him. So having guys that have big, you know, big bodies, long arms that can play with bigger receivers. I mean, they could be impactful players year one. Um, a guy like uh, a guy like Lewis Carter, who Brent Venables was really, really high on athletic dude can play several positions for you. He could be kind of your Jaron Canick this year because he's so just adept at the game of football. He could make an impact as a true freshman. So just a lot of guys in this 2023 class to be really, really excited about. Um, there's, there's so much talent that's coming in that I think, it's going to push the 2022 guys as well. Jimmy's asking, will Jacoby Johnson play offense or defense? From what everybody's saying, our guy Parker Thune over at 247 Sports OU Insider, Jacoby Johnson's going to be a cornerback for the Oklahoma Center. So I think, which is good because you want to have a little bit more size on the outside than you've had over the last few years. Yeah, it sounds like defense, you know, and, and he could do both, though. He could do both. He was awesome at uh, mm -hmm. Mustang Jacoby Johnson's easily one of the best players. And I, I broadcast quite a few now, <laughs> believe it or not, these, these years are starting to starting to add up. They're starting to tally up a little bit. So dating in the dating back to the what 12, 13 years I've done Oklahoma high school sports. He's easily one of the top guys physically from day one uh, that I've seen. I mean, from like sophomore year on absolute stud, both uh, catching the football and uh, in the defensive backfield. So he could play, Either or, it'd be awesome for OU, and you can book that. Uh, BMG, good night, my friend. Uh, get your rest, Boomer Sooner. Yes, everybody, hit that like button. Hit that subscription bell, and uh, and let's roll. You know, we got to start thinking, John, about what are some of these big spring storylines? Because obviously we've got a spring football date set on April 22nd, and believe it or not, I know that uh, now we're full swing into what this 2024 cycle <laughs> of recruiting looks like for OU. I mean, you you basically ink up the 2023 class on early the well, not early signing day, the early signing period, and now it's time to turn our attention to 2024. And with that, it means it's time to start thinking about okay, in terms of these early enrollees, who is it most important for? Beyond that, what are the big storylines of the spring? And I think you know probably uh, maybe next week. That's what we start hitting on a little bit, barring some unforeseen news breaking between now and then, which probably that will be the case because uh, the news machine always works that way. It always does work that way. It's not going to be long before spring ball does get started. Uh, any more questions that y'all want us to touch on before we get out of here? Because it's, yeah, it's getting late for everybody, but we always appreciate y'all stopping by and being a part of the live show. We're here every Monday night at 9 p.m. Central time doing a prolonged episode of Locked On Sooners just because we enjoy just interacting with y'all so much. Um, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really liking what I'm seeing so far in the 2024 offers guys that are being connected to the Sooners. Just a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism. And I think that's the biggest difference between, you know, Alex Grinch wanted speed D, right? That was kind of the idea, but from what was left over of the Alex Grinch defense, I don't think there was a ton of speed there but Brent Venables is really going to be trying to harness speed to get guys playing fast. And there are several guys that just play really, really fast. I'm excited about, but I do think that there are going to be a lot of hidden gems in this 2023 cycle that, you know, we've talked about um, other people have talked about as well, but there aren't kind of national stories being written about guys like Ashton Sanders or Taylor Wayne or our guy, Josh Bates, um, so I think it's, I think for a guy like Josh Bates, if he can get his hand healthy, I do think that he's somebody that could have a big spring for the Sooners just because Andrew Rame's also been dealing with injuries himself. You know, Joshua Bates could potentially become your backup center this year. And so every rep that he gets could be very, very important for him um, moving forward. 
couple of final interesting questions. One important, one not as important. Where can you where where can uh, we find the players' testing numbers at? A lot of times, some of that stuff is just in the actual signing releases that Oklahoma puts out. Sometimes it's just flat out not out there, unless you're talking to you know folks that have been around the uh, recruiting circuit and you know obviously are like either in the know or flat out we're just there when somebody ran a forty, right? So sometimes you know and sometimes we don't know until guys get on campus, unless the player and, and you know you kind of take what the player puts out there on huddle or wherever with a little bit of a grain of salt it's a little more little bit more official when say the university of oklahoma again in a signing day release would put something like that out so i would say sooner sports is a place where you can probably find some of the numbers you're looking for and then let's see uh Hold on, one more one 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 thought on that uh, i know brandon drum over at ou insider in the vip lounge if you're not a member over there you haven't subscribed to the ou insider um, kind of premium subscription um, that's where they're listing some of the 40 times that i think they might be asking about it's like jaron canick ran a 4 440 which is ridiculous so if you can get that guy on the field that's going to be a game-changing speed for your for your defense um that's that's where i've seen them is over in the ou insider vip lounge so i lied okay one more one more serious one because this this flew in from jimmy will Emmett jones the new wide receivers coach be an improvement I think from a mentality standpoint, I mean, LD Washington's just so young in the game. Um, I think the thing that Kale Gundy did really, really well was just the preparation aspect. He wasn't going to be a fine tune, you know, technique guy, technical skill guy. I do think LD Washington brought some of that to the table, but he's so young as a coach that you probably you you lost something just in the experience in the shift from Gundy to Washington. I do think Emmett Jones is going to be a great addition to the staff as a wide receivers coach. He just brings a different energy, a different intensity. And I've been really, really high on the idea that Jalil Farouk is going to have a huge season for the Sooners and Emmett Jones and Jalil Farouk together. I feel like that's just going to be a match made in heaven because these two guys both, I feel like, play with intensity or have intensity about him. Like the way Jalil Farouk runs the ball when he has the ball in his hands, like he's he's not avoiding contact. He's trying to look – he's looking to run through people. Emmett Jones, he posted on social media the other day. He's like, I'm looking for wide receivers that are dogs. Like I want grit, determination, toughness, and I think that's why Jalil Farouk is going to really thrive under him. Um, so I, that's that's kind of where I'm at on that. He's more experienced, you know, at this stage than LD Washington. That's kind of the biggest thing for me. Uh, I think he's, you know, obviously done some nice things at uh, Texas Tech. I don't know that he's just, to me, it's hard for me right now, John, to say he's a definite serious upgrade over LD Washington beyond just, okay, he's got some serious, serious state of Texas ties, some serious, serious DFW ties. That's a definite advantage right there that I don't think look LD Washington did not have those same ties in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex area that Emmett Jones has the coaching element side of it, the development side of it, you know, Emmett Jones is not a long tenured collegiate coach. So he's got some, some growing up in uh, his own respect to do, but I do think that he's going to, I think he's going to do a good job. I think LD Washington, if they had stuck with him would have done a good job, but I understand why they went with a little bit more experienced option and somebody in Emmett Jones that obviously again has all of those recruiting ties. John, do you uh, do you have a specific kind of coffee that you drink? I uh, I'm a K cup guy, so the the Keurig that I got this this Christmas has been my life changer. And I, I you know what is that? Rose Rock. So I, I'm a big fan of Rose Rock coffee just as a drip coffee. So, I, okay, I love coffee. Lived in Ethiopia for five years, the birthplace of coffee. So very, I'm not, I'm not super picky about coffee, but I just love coffee. Rose Rock coffee is some of the best coffee I've had. Now, this is not – they don't sponsor the show, even though I've tried to get them to because I'm, I'm such a big fan of their, their coffee. Um, they, that's where I got the cup, the cup from. They did give me the cup. Um, but I'm a, I'm a fan of theirs. They also, you know, have online orders you can make. Uh, but I just got an espresso machine for the first time because I also love a good like macchiato, a good, you know, 
uh, cafe latte, things like that. Yes. I'm also kind of frou-frou on the coffee. Um, but I got Starbucks Pike place right now. Just getting it. Just, we just started making the lattes at home. Um, so I got the Pike place, fine ground for the espresso machine uh, at the house right now. So that's kind of where I'm at, but man, I, lo- I just love coffee. I'll drink any coffee. Me too. I- I've got the, the Keurig. I've got, uh, I've got Pikes, Starbucks Pikes, and then some sort of like cinnamon, cinnamon coffee too that uh, just sounded good. Some of my favorite coffee spots in Norman, Gray Owl obviously is a classic. Uh, Yellow Dog Coffee is pretty cool. That's over off Porter. So I, I try to, I try to like when I'm going to get coffee, not necessarily stop at Starbucks, but at home. I'll confess that I've got kind of the, the Starbucks K-Cups, which probably I should support somebody different. Yeah, and if you're if you're out in eastern Oklahoma in the Tahlequah area, this is where I'm at. Uh, uh, Lyft downtown Tahlequah is really good a good spot for coffee. They do a good job. Seven Brew, which is a an Arkansas chain, it's starting to branch out right now. That's a pretty good spot to get you some coffee as well. Really enjoy some Seven Brew. And might I say, we are not above, by the way, any sort of local partnership with any sort of uh, coffee shops or coffee distributors out there. I love coffee. This will be the greatest partnership that you can have every night, every night drinking coffee on this show. So every night we're we're here at nine o'clock having a cup of coffee. So yes, send us some of your coffee. We'd love to try it. And if you want to partner with the show, we'd love to to sell it. Uh, You know, do we have apparel? No, we don't have apparel. Um, that's something I've asked about. We've talked about potentially making some stuff up to give it away. Uh, but yeah, we do not have any apparel with locked on, but we appreciate you guys being here and and we're glad that you are interested in that sort of thing and just support the show um, in the way that you do just by being here. And so just know that we're really thankful for that. Uh, we're just thankful for all the time that you spend, you know, listening to locked on sooners and other locked on shows. If you don't know, we've got a network of hundreds of shows from every professional sports team. We cover 50 to 70 college teams at this point. It's just a constantly growing network uh, with great analysts and hosts across the network. So uh, if you've got a professional team that you love, you can find it covered by a locked on host uh, here on the network. Um, Were there any other questions that we missed that we needed to touch on really quick? I don't think. I I don't know. So can I, can I just say on the apparel stuff, I would love to make apparel and put stuff out for everybody to buy and to wear and promote the show. But I do subscribe a little bit to the old school Howard Stern theory, which is generally speaking. And I think what John was saying this, but I'll just back him up and double down on it. We, we love you guys supporting the show, clicking the like button, subscribing, sharing with your friends. We don't need you to buy mugs. We don't need you to buy hats for the show. We don't need you to buy t-shirts or hoodies for the show. We're not trying to, we're not trying to sell t-shirts here. We just want you to hang out with the show, be a part of the community. So that's way more important to us than trying to sell you t-shirts or this or that. So just know that. Yeah. Uh, But feel free to send those suggestions on to uh, our network. If you'd like locked on network. Um, Anyway, any basketball discussion next stream, we're going to have to. The women's team is going to make us discuss basketball more and more because they're just playing on fire right now. Um, we're going to enjoy that as well. So, everybody, thank you again so much for stopping by the live stream. Again, every Monday night, 9 p.m. Central Time. We love having you here. Make sure you're part of it. Make sure you are um, a part of the show wherever you get your podcast. whether it's on the audio side. We're available on every podcast streaming platform or here on YouTube, you, su- you can subscribe to the show as well. Um, and then Eddie, we don't, you can't really give to the channel. You give to the channel by being here. You give to the channel by telling your friends about it. You give to the channel by, you know, tuning in every time. So thank you for, thank you for just the thought, the thought, man, that means a lot that you'd even consider that. That's, that's crazy. So again, thank you guys so much for just being a part of the show. We, we love you. We love doing this every day for you and being a part of just the Oklahoma Sooners community. Uh, it's just a great, great place to talk, talk sports, talk football, softball, basketball, all of it. And we're going to continue doing that all off season. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. Again, we're going to have our discussion with John Garcia coming for you for our Tuesday night episode podcast. That'll drop on Monday. Make sure you're tuned in for that. 
We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner. <laughs>